We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Ryan Poole, a high stakes fantasy football player that has won league titles in the FFPC main event, Football Guys Players Championship, and in the FFPC Satellite Leagues as well. In this episode, we break down some of his picks in the 2019 FFPC Pros vs. Joes competition, at what point in a draft he starts placing upside as the first thing he looks for in his selections, and much, much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is FFPC Main Event and Football Guys Players Championship League winner, Ryan Poole.
the final Rotoviz high stakes lowdown in the preseason, I guess, as it were. The next one won't be coming at you until after the regular season starts. And to uh, finish things off here in drafting season, it's former Football Guys Players Championship and FFPC Main Event League winner Ryan Poole. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Balky. Good to be here. It's uh, it's always good when we're talking fantasy football in, in August. We are, oh boy, um, roughly two and a half weeks uh, until the FFPC main event starts. We are about a month away until the, the actual uh, NFL season starts, which is very exciting. And we're going to get into fantasy football, I promise all of you listeners. But before we do, uh, Ryan, can you tell the listeners what you do for a living when you're not playing high-stakes fantasy football? Yeah, sure. Um, so my day job is as a uh, property manager uh, here in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, keeps me busy, fun job, and uh, I find some time to do a little fantasy research during the day too, so that's always a plus. Yeah, I totally forgot to mention that too, <laughs> that that this is like an all-Wisconsin podcast uh, tonight. <laughs> me from yep. being from, from the Arctic part of the state and northeast part of Wisconsin. <laughs> I believe you are from the cool part of the state down south, right? Yeah, Madison, very cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the total, that's that's where all the cool people hang out. And, uh, something I know, like that. Uh, yeah, and well, every time I go down there, I always have a great time, too. So I don't want to like make it seem like that's an offhanded insult. There's a lot of cool people that live down there that I like to hang out with. Uh, Fun let's place to live, Eric. Yep, exactly. No you got it. You got it. Um, let's. So you had drafted, this is probably a couple of weeks ago now, you drafted in the FFPC Pros versus Joes competition. Uh, yep. with the uh, second overall pick uh, in the draft. Mm -hmm. Let's get into this. And I actually want to begin in the fourth round because I think this is when your draft becomes really interesting. O.J. Howard sure. was your selection there with the penultimate pick of the fourth yeah. round. He was the fourth tight end off the board. Um, why yeah. was the fact that Bruce Arians has almost never featured a tight end in his offense not a huge concern for you here in drafting Howard after the big three were gone? Yeah, so first off... Uh, it was, it was fun being part of the pros versus Joe's uh, competition this year. First time, first time getting selected for it. Um, and you and Dave did a great job with the, uh, the live broadcast. Oh, thank were you. A lot of fun to listen to recommend anybody uh, listening to go uh, check out those, those podcasts. But um, you know, the way the draft was going, I think a lot of times we see like late third and into the fourth round, some tight ends going off the board and, for whatever reason, that didn't happen in this draft. Um, so I felt like it was a really good time to take a tight end. Um, and after the big three, Howard is my preference. Um, I don't really view him as a tight end, Eric. You know, he's just a really big wide receiver to me. You know, they will line him in the slot a lot. And I think even though Arians hasn't featured, you know, a tight end heavily in his offense, he's never had a tight end like this, um, and he'd be a fool not to use him. He's just such a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses that I, I have no doubts he's going to be very heavily involved. Yeah, and you think about that Tampa offense, too. I mean, obviously, um, you know, Barber's going to get his out of the backfield, but Chris Godwin, you know, is going to be running a lot mm -hmm. of underneath stuff. And then I just think about lining up Mike Evans and O.J. Howard on mm -hmm. the same side of the field. It's like, yeah. you know, how many big people do you have on defense that can stop both of them every play? And that's that's going to be difficult Absolutely. to do. And I would, and They're going to be fun to watch. 
Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I will say like it's not that I mean like I may I frame the question like oh my gosh, I can't believe he took OJ Howard as the tight end 4. He's actually going as the tight end 5 at the 410. So you could actually say you got some pretty good value uh with with well, I mean decent value there. Um but it's yeah. it's, it's either been Howard or Engram off the board for you. It was just a case of like look, this offense is and I don't want to put words in your mouth. But this offense in Tampa with Arians and Winston and mm-hmm. Evans and Howard, I mean, I, I would much rather have a piece of that offense that's going to put up yardage and score points yeah. than the Giants, where you don't, you're not really sure what Evan Ingram's going to do because you're not sure Absolutely. how good that Giants offense is going to be. Yeah, I mean, Eli Manning's going to drive you nuts if you have Ingram or, or Shepard or, or Golden Tate out there. So I would much rather just take the risk with the Tampa offense, and you know, it's like. How are they not going to get Howard involved? You know, with Adam Humphreys gone, you know, it should just open up more looks. Let's uh, move to the uh, sixth round here. It certainly seems like sure. Tevin Coleman is, is going to be the lead back for San Francisco this year. As the guy mm-hmm. who took him in this pros versus Joe's draft at the 6'11", how much of the workload do you think he's going to shoulder in that backfield? Is it is it going to be like, you know, yeah. more like 70 80% or is it going to be more like 50 55%? How do you see that going with Coleman? Yeah, the the 49ers offense is is another kind of intriguing one this year. Um, I think I think if you're expecting anybody that you draft out of that backfield to get 20 plus carries every week, you're going to be mistaken. Uh, and so, you know, by taking Coleman, I'm not expecting that. I think he's going to get probably on average 10 to 15 carries a game, and he's going to get a look at a few receptions every game. Uh, you know. McKinnon's kind of an unknown right now. He, I think he just got cleared back at practice from the ACL tear last August. So right. it, it took him a while to get back in action. You know, you see a lot of guys come back from that ACL tear in like eight, nine months. So McKinnon's a question mark. Matt Breida played pretty well last year, but, you know, it was without a lot of pressure. And he's an undrafted guy. So Shanahan brought in a guy that he's familiar with who's – he, who he's had success with. So I, I think Coleman's definitely the front runner to get the majority of the work there. Uh, but I do kind of expect them to be mixing in guys. So it's not, it's not an ideal situation, but it, for me, it's about value. And at the end of the sixth round as the 31st running back off the board, uh, more than happy to take that chance because he, he does have top 20 potential. And another guy that I think has really, I don't want to say flown up draft boards because he it's been an incremental thing, but he keeps ascending and keeps ascending. I don't know where when he's he going to stop, but it's Mark Andrews, the the tight end oh. that you took. Yeah, uh, the yeah. tight end that you took at the 901, same draft here. You think sure, FFPC sure. players are, are maybe sleeping on him a little bit this year? I mean, right now he's the tight end 13, so he's being drafted technically as a quote-unquote backup tight end um, mm-hmm. as the 13th tight end off the board. But I just look at that Baltimore offense, and, and I, I nobody really excites me all that much at receiver. And Mark Andrews has been making mm-hmm. plays, and this is a guy that was pretty hyped up coming into last year. I look at him, and I'm like, man, why isn't he going higher? Do you think people are sleeping mm-hmm. on him? Yeah, I, I think I got Andrews in maybe like the fifth round of a, of a rookie draft last year. You know, sometimes you just kind of find that diamond in the rough, um, you know, while Hurst was going much earlier. So that was fortunate. But um, – I think he's being valued appropriately. Um, I, I don't think people are sleeping on him. Like you said, he's TE13, and he's 
you know, still in his second year and, and somewhat unproven, it's hard to, for me, it's hard to draft him much earlier than I did in the ninth round, um, even with the point and a half um, PPR for tight ends in this format. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's being valued appropriately. Uh, I wouldn't take him any earlier. Okay, yeah. And and I guess, like, the, the thing is, is, is he has been like I think back to when we had drafts going on in like you know January February or whatever it was mm-hmm. and he was going pretty late and it seems like his he, he kind of ascended like March April some somewhere around there and then he kept going up quite a bit but now it's the the increment has sort of slowed on that but he is still going up yeah. I but I think you're right well, I think we're we're about to see a ceiling here well and, and you know when Lamar Jackson took over at the end of last year he targeted Andrews a ton. Uh, you know, same draft class. And, and like you mentioned, too, uh, there's not a lot of receivers that that stand out. So he's going to be heavily involved. You know, maybe at the end of the day, he ends up being around the 10th best tight end. Um, but, yeah, it, it's hard to really pick him in like the like one of the guys in the pros versus shows draft took him on like the seven, eight turn. That's just a little early for me. Is there is there any? Ravens receivers that you like this year that, that you would draft or maybe that you have drafted at all because I'm I'm struggling to find any kind of value there you're looking at you know um, I, it, yeah okay let's start let's start off with Marquise yeah. Brown the number one pick yeah um, yeah was battling some foot injuries what have yep. you um, what do you think about him this year for for redraft purposes is that a player that you want to be in business with and I'll tell you right now before you answer that question if you want to get him in an FFPC classic league uh, you only have to soak a 16th round pick into him. He's going at the 16-11 right now. Your thoughts on Marquise yeah. Brown? I mean, I guess that that value, yeah. right? You know, it, it's like your buddy uh, Dave Gerzak likes likes to say, it's a dart throw. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's uh, true. I, and it's just, it's probably not one that I would make. Uh, I'm not a huge Lamar Jackson fan. Uh, I, I haven't seen him show me enough as a pocket passer to really want to own any of the Baltimore receivers. I, I can't think of really drafting any so far this year. And I've, I've certainly done um, plenty of drafts. Yeah, you have. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I think it's uh I think it's a situation just to avoid. I think in, if you're going to take a Baltimore receiver, you probably do it in a best ball over a redraft. Cause I think in a redraft league, you're probably just going to end up like tearing your hair out every week. Not yeah, knowing what's going to happen, and, and that's the thing too. It's like if you okay, even if it's a 16th round pick, I mean, when are you going to start him? Unless you have some really bad bye week issues or some injury yeah. issues, and and then and then yeah. it comes to be here's the issue that I have when I do stuff like that. Am I really going to cut the dude the Ravens just picked in the first round this year? You know what I mean? Like, they, and, and there's yeah. a stigma with that. It's tough to do. But that's probably what you would end up doing. It's like just just take a Jameson Crowder or something, and and. You know, don't tear your hair out. <laughs> don't pull your hair out. Exactly. That's good <laughs> so, advice for anybody. No question. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we talked about the Buccaneers offense earlier. They're they're an important mm-hmm. one to get right this week. Let's talk a little bit more about it. This time with the backfield, Peyton Barber goes at the eleven oh two to you in this uh, pros versus Joe's draft. Now, Ronald Jones mm-hmm. is actually already off the board. If you had your choice between either of them at that point, between Barber and Jones, which one would you rather have? If you got your choice of either one. Uh, I'm I'm still taking Barber. Uh, for me, one of my strategies in in PPR leagues is I just like to fade guys that that don't catch passes, that don't have that pass catching ability, 
because I just feel like their their ceiling is is limited. And Jones, he, he never really caught passes at USC. Uh, you know, he didn't really show anything last year. Uh, so he's just a fade for me personally. Uh, he's he's shaping up to possibly just be an NFL bust, I think, which, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun because he's only in year two. But, you know, you saw him as a healthy scratch a lot last year. Uh, and, you know, the new coaching staff that's in there, they're not tied to him either. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if, if I'm looking, you know, at this 11th round spot, you know, I'm, I'm getting a guy in Peyton Barber who is right now the starter. He has the, the lead in the race and he's the guy in the offense that I think could catch 40 passes, you know, over Jones. So that's the guy I'm going to take. And neither one of them may be all that valuable, kind of like last year. But if I'm going to take one, I'm going to go Barber. All right, in that same vein, and by the way, just to your, to your point, I just saw a report that uh, not only has Barber been getting most of the preseason first-team reps uh, thus yeah. far, uh, he's actually also going to be starting the Buccaneers' first preseason game as well. So certainly Perfect. stuff that, that backs up everything that you just said. Now, let me yeah. t- talk about a rich man's Peyton Barber, a guy that continuously goes late, a guy who is going in the mid-10th round right now, in FFPC Classic drafts over the last five days as the 42nd running back off the board. Former fantasy stud, LaShawn McCoy, who we've (laughs) heard he could be the starter. He might get cut. We don't know. We know that Devin Singletary's been getting a lot of of first-team reps there. We know they brought in Frank Gore, and they still have TJ Yeldon, a guy that they went out and signed this offseason. So in the same vein, when you talk about getting uh, Barber in the 11th Mm -hmm. round of a best ball, as the starting running back, would you be interested in investing a 10th round pick to get a starting running back in LaShawn McCoy? No. Uh, I I think he could be cut, possibly. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, I, just, I, I, I just don't see much upside there. I'm trying to find some guys in that range that, that have some potential. And, and to me, you know, Buffalo's offense, for one, probably isn't going to be very good in general. I don't think any of these guys are probably going to help you all that much. Uh, if I had to take a flyer on somebody, it might be Yeldon because he's he's a proven pass catcher. Uh, but to me, it's just a situation to avoid. I think there's just other guys in that tenth round range that can can offer a little bit more. Maybe like a like a Naheem Hines, uh, somebody like that, or or maybe like maybe like take a chance on like a Justice Hill, even maybe. Um, I, I would just fade McCoy. Let me ask you a philosophical question as, as far sure. as, uh, as far as this goes, um, you have, uh, just brought up upside late in drafts. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm curious because when I draft like my first round picks, yeah, an early round pick, certainly I want upside, but I'm also looking mm-hmm. for high volume guys who are going to touch the football a lot. At what yeah. point in your drafts, do you sort of shift and like, okay, now I've got my core on my team, or I got you know the handful of guys that are going to help me. Um, mm-hmm. What at what point do you sort of flip and say, okay, now I'm looking for pure upside guys that can not only outperform their draft position but help me win my league? And I'm thinking about guys like James yeah. Conner last year, Patrick Mahomes sure. last year, players like that. At sure. what point do you sort of flip the switch? You know, I don't. I don't personally think that there's a flip to switch. Honestly, I think. I think throughout the draft, you're trying to find guys that um, can give you upside. Um, and really, when you're constructing your t- team, you're trying to find some balance. Uh, but, you know, it can also depend on the format, too. 
I think in in best ball, you know, you, you're certainly going to be more willing to take take chances on some boom bust guys, uh, the the Tyrell Williams of the world, uh, the Deshaun Jacksons and whatnot. So, um, I, I think I think you're kind of making a mistake if like you know you get to a certain point in the draft and you're like, okay, now all of a sudden I'm just going to take all upside guys because then you're potentially missing out on going back to like a Jamison Crowder, like a steady PPR guy that could give you some good value. In uh, this pros versus Joe's draft by round 13, you had three tight mm-hmm. ends. Now this is something that not a lot of people do. In fact, I think when we were covering these on the HSFF hour, I think I gave you yeah. kudos for this for having you did. three tight. Yeah. I, and yeah. I like this strategy, 28 round best ball tight end premium yeah. format. How important was nailing, you know, getting those three quarter, or excuse me, those three mm-hmm. tight ends within the first half of this draft. Yeah, it's it's generally an important strategy for me, uh, Eric. I I think with the, the the tight end premium, it's a really hard position to just kind of fade early and play catch up on because you. <laughs> You end up going, you know, if you're trying to build a team, like one guy in the draft and ends up with Noah Fant, Darren Waller, Josh Oliver. Right. Like that's just that's just not good. And that's going to be really tough to, to win the league doing that, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, to me, it it's not like you have to. I think where I took guys like Howard and Andrews, I, I think at that point, if you just want to like stream a couple guys at the end of the draft at that point that's fine considering you already have two good guys. But when you're looking at Dallas Goddard in the 13th round, like th- that shouldn't happen. Uh, you, you know, if, if Ertz goes down, he's going to be money. And, and even with Ertz there, he's still going to be on the field a lot. You know, usually you don't see Goddard out there in this format past like the 11th round. So yeah, I and- felt like that was a good time to do it. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Yeah, and I think that, and that's the type. I mean, your third tight end, it shouldn't be like, mm. you know, some schlub. I mean, I guess it could be some schlub, but I might for like a third tight end, give me some upside. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a, a guy that sure. that that can, you know, in the right situation, in the right scenario, and maybe he doesn't yeah. do it all season, but maybe he doesn't have to either. Maybe he yeah. could just be the type of guy that he comes in and he, you know, gives you like three or four starting weeks. Sometimes that's enough. So I think yeah, yep. and, and and you and we already talked about it. Howard in the fourth, Andrews in the ninth, and then Goddard in the thirteenth for you. And then you got um, uh, Jay Sternberger in the in the twenty sixth. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Packer there. connection. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and I I'm not of the opinion 
that um, Sternberger is is going to do much in 2019. However, I will say this: right. yeah. Jimmy Graham is what 57, 58 years old right now, and yep. and Matt Lafleur loved running these two tight end. I think I can't yeah, remember with what John, it was. I, I with think Johnu last year and yeah, and Delaney Walker when he, when right. he was healthy. But yeah. they ran they ran 12 person. I know the stat. I remember the stat. Okay. They ran 12 personnel with the Titans last year, 26 percent of the time. 10% higher than the league average. They ran yeah. um, whatever it is. Uh, is it called 13 personnel? I'm not sure what it is, but where you have the three tight ends out there, they okay. ran it six. No, they ran it 13%. I think it was 13% of the time, which where the league average is three. So you know that they want to use these tight ends in Green Bay. And, and the fact that, yep. and I like Tanya in quite a bit, uh, just not necessarily okay. for, fan, for uh, fantasy, but I think that all three of those tight ends are just, uh, they're going to get a lot. And if I'm not getting Graham, I, I think I do prefer the upside of Jay Sternberger a little bit more than Tanyan, who's, you know, not a pedigree guy. We'll see. We'll yeah, see Graham could go down and Sternberger could be kind of just forced into action. So Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a late round flyer. It's a dart throw, right? It's yeah. a dart throw. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yep. Justin Jackson, speaking of dart, well, maybe this isn't a dart throw. It was a 14, 14-11 uh, pick for you in this draft. Give us your take on not only how the Melvin Gordon, how, you know, if you look into the pool mm-hmm. crystal ball here, not only how the Melvin <laughs> Gordon holdout ends, but the Ezekiel Elliott holdout ends, if they, if either of them end. Yeah, I don't know if I want to make a prediction here. I could look really stupid in a couple of weeks. Uh, or you could look like my, a genius. <laughs> right. Um, if... If I had to bet on, you know, which one ends sooner, the Gordon or Elliott holdout, I think I think Zeke is a lot more likely to be playing week one than Gordon. Just because if you look by who's behind Zeke, you've got Tony Pollard, a fourth round pick. You've got Mike Weber, a seventh round pick. I don't even know if they have anybody else. If they do, he's probably not any good. Um, right. What's Alfred Morris so, doing? He's probably just bumming around somewhere. Right, right. right. <laughs> and so I, I feel like Jerry is, you know, Zeke is the star of the franchise really more so than Dak, I would say. I have a really hard time believing that they're not going to get something done. Whereas with, you look at Melvin Gordon, and, you know, behind him is Austin Eckler, who's proven himself really well, averaged over five yards of carry last year, as well as Justin Jackson. Um, so I feel like Gordon possibly could even be traded. Um, but I think Zeke will get done for sure. And Gordon, and it's sort of like a waiting game, um, you know, with him where it's like, we, we might go in and this is what's going to be really interesting when we get to planet Hollywood and and the main event for the FFC in a few weeks, where is Melvin Gordon going to be going in drafts if he had, if he's still holding out? And where is Austin Eckler? Where are Justin Jackson going to be going? And, and consider yeah. this. This is totally different this year because now we have this Le'Veon Bell precedent from 2018. Yeah. So I think that's good. It's totally going to change everything. It's going to be fascinating if Gordon doesn't report by then because you're going to have yeah. people on po- polarizing uh, ends of the spectrum it's, here to, to see yeah. like who's investing in who. It's probably going to push those guys up a lot considering you know people still thought last year at you know doing those drafts in Vegas that – you know, Bell was going to miss one game and then he was going to be back. 
and and Connor was often going in like the seventh, eighth round still. Oh, I remember having conversations with people last year, and 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 I I'll, I'll I was among them. I was laughing at people who were taking Connor in, in the third and fourth rounds. You know, I saw yeah. that a couple of times. Yeah. I was like, yeah, ah, sure. this is this is not going to work out. And then yeah. those people laughed all the way to the bank, they... <laughs> undoubtedly winning a ton of main event leagues, maybe even cashing yeah. in, in the overall as well. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. Where it's and and you know I've said this for years when. When I draft teams, especially, you know, in that in national contests or wherever, where I, I, I am always now cognizant of I, I never like to laugh at a pick. I never like to laugh sure. at a team because I yeah. have been proven wrong so many times over the yeah. years that like, wow, that was a great pick. Oh, you know what? That guy did know what he's doing. And now I, it's, it's totally humbled me. And I try not to, to, to do yeah. that going forward because, like, quite frankly, stuff, we see stuff like this all the time. And it ends up working out uh, for people. It, to that end, right. Ryan, uh, yeah. looking back on this pros versus Joe's draft, did you have a favorite pick or, or, or one that you were really happy with it, that, that uh, you yeah. look back on? Like, well, oh, I'm so glad I got that guy there. Well, you know, obviously I love all my picks. Equally, but, um... right? It's a 28-way tie. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one guy I want to talk about that I like is is Christian Kirk, who I got it. At seven seven oh two in this draft, as uh, around the thirtieth receiver off the board, I really like Kirk. You've seen one of the pros versus Joe's draft. He went at five eleven. Yep. It seems like he's starting to climb into that six round range pretty consistently now. Um, he, he broke his foot, I believe, rookie year um, in week twelve, something like that. But before that, you know, he was on a points per game basis, like a top 40 receiver last year as a rookie with Josh Rosen in just an awful situation. So you just feel like the, the potential is really high with Kirk. You know, you, you got a, a new head coach and a new rookie quarterback that everybody's talking about. They're going to throw the ball a ton. And he's got Larry Fitzgerald with them, who's still going to take the attention of the opposing defenses with you know, the top corner and double teams. So I think things open up really well for Kirk this year. On that Cardinals tip, uh, do you have any interest in acquiring either Andy Isabella or Keyshawn Johnson as the number three Cardinals receiver there? Yeah, I I had heard that Keyshawn Johnson had been standing out. Right. Um, so I, I think he's a guy, you know, maybe we'll start to see, you know, a lot of times he's not even getting drafted in these 28 rounders. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing him get drafted. So I, I think he's a guy to target. And and Isabella, I think, was having some issues with drops. Yes. Uh, so, you know, maybe you calm, calm down on Isabella a little bit. Uh but yeah, I think I think getting Kirk is a good idea. I think taking a flyer on on Keyshawn late is good as well. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I still might, you know, Dave Gerzak, my HSFF our co-host, would probably say, "Oh, this yeah. is a bulky. It's a buying opportunity for Isabella. You can get him super yeah. late now. You know, he's not going to keep yeah. dropping passes." Well, I guess I don't know that, but he, he does raise a, a fair point. Um, let's uh, sure. let's talk about your drafts as, as sort of a, as a whole. You've done a bunch of them mm-hmm. uh, so far this summer. Are there any players, you know, and I don't know if you've looked at yet your rosters or if you, you mm-hmm. know, if you compile them and see what how many shares you have of each player, but are there any players that you're concerned that you might have too many shares of or maybe players that you look back on and like, man, I can't believe I only got him in two leagues and, and you wish you had in more? 
Well, first off, don't make me to be, you know, some kind of sicko here doing drafts every day. There's no, 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 there, there's a lot of guys doing more drafts than I am out there, but yeah, no, I, the, the FFPC, you know, best ball soul drafts are, I I think a good way to just kind of keep you in tune with different drafting strategies. You see how guys move, um, up and down boards over the summer. Um, and so I, I really think they, they help you a lot than when you're doing a live draft. But, uh, you know, I'm not really too concerned with overdrafting or underdrafting anybody. If there's a guy I don't like, I'm not going to be like, well, I've done 20 drafts. I don't have him in any, so I'm going to take him in my ne- next draft. If I'm wrong on a guy, I'm wrong. And that's okay. And, and that's not going to cost you a league. You know, not every league winner had Mahomes or McCaffrey last year. So, sure. you know, and and the same thing with guys you really like. If there's guys you really like, take them. You know, don't worry that you have too much of them because if you're right, you're gonna you're gonna be looking you know pretty good at the end of the year. Yeah, um, I, I mean, there, there's to to a point. It's like, why are you drafting this player if you don't like him? So if you like him, absolutely. why not draft him in a bunch of spots? You know, yeah. And, and unless it's a guy like like let's say you're in, investing in. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, um, um, who's a good example? Uh, like David Johnson or something. Let's say you're picking okay. him in every draft, and he goes down early or or whatever. Yeah. Well, if you take him yeah. in the first, if you lose your first round pick in every draft, yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb. But I have yeah. no like I'll I'll totally invest like you know an eighth round pick that I really like. Um, not that he's going in the eighth round, but DJ Moore this year for for where sure. he's going as as far as. Uh, uh, FFPC um, uh, classics over the last five days, I can tell you that he's normally going at the end of the fifth round. I, you know, if I take okay. him in the fifth round at 70% of my drafts, I'm totally fine with it. You know what I mean? If yeah, that's not going to that's not gonna kill you. If, right. he, if he busts, that, that's not going to be the make or break on your team. And, and I think that's what it is for me. It's just like, you know, I probably want to vary up my first round, maybe my second round a little bit more. But after that, it's just yeah. like, get your guys, and, man. And, and usually bulky, you know, you're drafting from, you, you do enough drafts and you're drafting from various, deci- you know, various spots. So you're not going to always end up with, you know, David Johnson, you know, depending yeah, on where you're drafting. Yeah, that's another good point. Yep, absolutely. So, and, and, uh, that, you know, and that'll affect the second round too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, as far as somebody I don't have anywhere for some reason I, I that I wish I had, I kind of like Tyrell Williams. Yeah. Uh, and I... I don't really know why I don't have him anywhere anywhere um as we see now that Antonio Brown has frostbite or something yeah uh <laughs> maybe we'll see Tyrell you know creep up boards around or two uh but you know he he's a good best ball guy too because at least when he was with the Chargers you never really knew if he was gonna have five catches for 175 yards and two touchdowns or you know one catch for eight yards so and I and I will tell you this too, and, and maybe you've heard this on the on the Pros versus Joe's broadcast, but I know Dave has uh, talked about um, how much he liked Tyrell Williams this year, and this is before we knew about okay. the, the the frostbitten Brown, yeah. and yeah. and and that and that too was because Antonio, you know, we talk about the flake scale where these some of these guys rank on the flake scale, and Antonio <laughs> Brown's pretty high on the flake scale, and sure it's just, is. I guess we got to call it the snowflake scale now that he's I... frostbitten, but but <laughs> yeah. you look but you look at it from from that standpoint like. You don't know what he's capable of. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, if if there is going to be, like, okay, this is going to sound terrible, and I'm totally generalizing here, but if you told me that a stud receiver in the NFL was going to have a case of frostbite on his feet because of a of a um, 
uh, uh, chemotherapy, chemotherapy. Cry, yeah, cryotherapy <laughs> accident. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. it's either Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham. Like, it's that there's just, you know what I mean? It <laughs> right. had to be one of those two guys. And I guess it doesn't yeah. surprise me that it's Brown. Yeah. But that's another situation we're going to have to monitor here, too. And I know Tyrell Williams Absolutely. is definitely going to be going up in, in ADP until we have a, a finite answer on it. You've been very Absolutely. gracious with your time, Ryan, tonight. I, I certainly yeah. appreciate it. Before I let you go, I do have one yeah. more question for you. Sure. Uh, a guy that you're staying away from in, in the early rounds, maybe a guy that we haven't talked about yet that, that, you, that you didn't draft anywhere, that you won't draft mm-hmm. anywhere. And then a later round sleeper like Tyrell Williams sure. that uh, <laughs> that you want to draft this summer on, on a lot of your teams. Yeah, so it, it pains me to say this because he helped me in uh, a couple of leagues last year, but I'm I'm gonna fade Juju Smith Schuster this year. Uh, there's just there's uncertainty there with with Brown being gone now, and him having to take over as the number one receiver and be the focus of the opposing defense, and you know they don't really have much around him either. You know, they brought in Dante Moncrief, you know, James Washington, you know, is in his second year, I believe there's, there's not a lot of proven around him. And so defenses can focus on him, double team him and take him out of games. And so, you know, I feel like Juju could, could be like, you know, in that 15, 20 range this year. And I'm, I'm going to stay away from him. What what do you think about him? I don't. I, I guess I haven't made up my mind on him totally. Um, I you know sometimes and I, I've used this with the with the Tyler Boyd thing too. Like where mm-hmm. yes, the, there's going to be increased attention on him, but there should yeah. also be increased volume. Um, and true. And and I don't and I don't necessarily know if that if that is a yin and a yang where they perfectly balance each other. I haven't I haven't yeah. made up my mind. If I'm sure. looking at it right now and I'm drafting, say at like you know the back end of of the first round. Um, I don't yeah. know if I would take him there, um, but yeah, I, I, I would start looking at him and, in the early second. Um, I think about and, like a, like a Tyree yeah. Kill, Juju Smith-Schuster start. That's intriguing to me. Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster. It, the thing is, yeah. like once those first five running backs are off the board, and maybe first four now because I don't know how much interest I have in in Elliott. Um, then it, it it's yeah. I start looking at receiver, and and I I guess I yeah. haven't made up my mind totally, but I guess that's where I'm currently. Yeah. I'm I'm just more likely in in those spots to go Julio, Devante, Tyreek, Odell over Juju, um, right. and then as he starts to become available, if you pick like mid second in FFPC format anyway, I'm looking at Ertz and Kittle as well over Juju. Um, you know, I would I would take Juju at like the two three turn, but he's never making it there. So right, yeah, no, that's a good point. That what what so yeah. what's who's another Tyrell Williams for you this year? the guy that you that you like in yes. the mid rounds. So I want to go with the you know, keep this Packer uh Ah, Valdez Scantling. <laughs> um no. So I'm actually going Geronimo Allison. Oh Allison, and, okay. And and the reason for that, Eric, is that I feel like we've had this like kind of bad market correction where Rogers said like one good thing about Scantling and he's just like skyrocketed up boards into the seventh, eighth round. And I and as a result, Gmo has has moved down to like that like twelfth round range, and I don't get it. Um, you know, it, we haven't seen a lot of scantling, right? And, and wouldn't you thing, rather wouldn't you thing. rather take the guy that's going like three four rounds right. later that's going to be on the field just as much? Well, and, and I think and, I think about it too. How much Lafleur uses the slot. 
and yep. with with Allison, you know, and, and this is something. This yep. is public knowledge. Valdez Cantling has been playing on the outside, and Allison, yep. it, it, like it, it they've, the reporters have been asking him, like, oh, you know, what's it like, you know, been preparing for the slot, and Allison's been like, yeah, it's pretty much all I've done. It's all I'm working yep. at. And I know yep. they've been moving around to a certain point, and I know MVS is going to be in the slot, and Adams is going to be in the slot, but I think Allison's going to be in the slot a ton. And you talk yep. about a guy that you can get in like Allison in like the 10th, 11th, as opposed yeah. to Valdez Scantling in like the 7th, 8th. Yeah, I yeah. think the value with Allison might be there a little bit more. I think the ceiling for Valdez Scantling is higher because he does, he is more of a big play type player. I mean, he's sure. a long strider that, that can that can beat you deep, and he's not that bad with the rest of the route tree. So I get yeah. I get why people are like him. Plus, it seems like all these other reporters are, are, are pumping him up quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, but really all it takes is Allison having like a nice preseason game. And now all of a sudden is the value yeah, there with it, Allison. It, anyway, right. You know and what it, mean? it, it changes. Right. And Allison, I think can play on the outside too, if need be. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've already seen it, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, whoever gets this, not that it's going to be a league winner, but whoever gets the, the number two receiver in the Packers offense, right in drafts and fantasy drafts, whoever gets that right, yeah. I think is going to have a, a, a nice little advantage on, on the rest of their opponents. Not yeah. enough to win the league, but it's sometimes it, it doesn't take much. Um, we, we know there's a lot of potential with that offense. Absolutely. So. And we'll see. <laughs> I'm excited to see it happen. It'll be an action against Houston. Uh, I guess yep. Thursday night uh, or tonight, if you're listening to this on Thursday. Uh, so that'll be fun. And it was fun talking to you, Ryan. This was a uh, great catching up with you, getting your thoughts and your pros versus Joe's draft. Yeah. Good luck. not only in that league, but in the FFPC main event, as you try to win a half million bucks there, hopefully, hopefully that money uh, goes to somebody in Wisconsin. I always appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that would be. And uh, be in nice. all your leagues, dude, you, you've, you've drafted a ton. I, I wish you nothing but the best. And we will uh, see you at Planet Hollywood in Vegas. Thanks, Balky. I'll be there. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as turbukins. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Turbukins are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. 
And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.